are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome to Devil's Talking Padres. The Padres just wrapped up a four-game series in San Francisco where they actually split it. So the Padres, they walked into San Francisco. Bobby and I, we talked about how a split would be super nice. Winning one was necessary, but they split the series. So very good job by the Padres, especially at the end of it. Dominic Stern joined, as always, by Bobby Murphy. Bobby, how are you doing today? I'm good, doing good, Dom. Good to know that we won the last two. I would rather win the last two than the first two to have some momentum going into this weekend series against the Cardinals. But just glad we were able to split and it was a big one against the best team in baseball, record-wise. Yeah, record-wise. I definitely want to consider them the best team. But by uh, by record, they do that. And they put together really long, hard at-bats all series. So you can definitely see why they have the best record, despite not really matching a lot of teams in terms of talent. Today, we have a guest on our podcast. We're joined by our friend, Cade Cronemeyer. You can find him on Twitter at CadeK underscore 11, I believe. Is that your handle, Cade? Yeah, it's just CadeK11. CadeK11, damn it. I was almost got it. All right, how are you doing, Cade? No, I'm doing well. Just excited to uh, talk Padres. You know, we finally have a little bit of momentum um, going into the St. Louis series. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, things are things are a little bit more positive. Um and yeah, I'm just hoping for a for a good uh, good series against the Cards. So, yeah, it definitely did not start off on a positive note in the series against the Giants. The Potters lost the first two games. They only scored two runs combined in those two games. Then the next game, they opened up beating the Giants nine to six, and then seven to four in the finale. So, like you said, much more positive note. Let's talk about the first game. And this first game was basically over before it started because the Potters went down in the first inning on I believe only six pitches. And then you Darvish just couldn't throw strikes. And when he did those strikes, they were straight down the middle, either a slider or a cutter or a fastball. It didn't matter when you throw bad pitches to teams that are hitting the ball. Well, like the giants are, they're going to crush them. That's exactly what they did. They scored five runs in the first inning, including a leadoff home run. And then a two run home run off the bat of Evan Longoria. Padres did get one run in the third inning when Fernando Tatis Jr. Hit a double to right field. But then immediately after that, the Giants answered in the fourth inning with three more runs to basically just counter what the Padres did. Padres won this game nine to one. Cade, we'll start with you, I guess, first. I mean, what were your reactions after this first game? I think you uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, it was it was a poor start from you, Darvish. Um, and, you know, we've experienced, you know, too many of those recently. Um, and what's really been plaguing him is the home run ball like you mentioned, and, you know, it's, it's really difficult to, uh, to play, you know, when you look up the scoreboard and you're already down, you know, by a bunch of runs. And I think that, you know, we've been going down early for the past, you know, month or two, and this is just, you know, the same story. And, you know, in the end, we just couldn't overcome the big deficit. So. And for Darvish this game, he's only had one good start in his last five, really. He's really been struggling, of course, allowing four home runs in this game really hurt him. And the bullpen did look great. Tim Hill, Sean Anderson, and Craig Stammen all went one shot out in. And Lamette did allow one run in his one in his one inning pitch in the eighth. But other than Darvish, the pitching looked fine. But Darvish really got hit hard. Six hits, four home runs, three walks in four innings, and eight earned runs. He did not look good at all. And the lineup, I mean, we were able to get on base, seven hits, didn't only drew two walks this game, but 
one for seven with runners in scoring position. The Padres really struggled at the plate this game. But like you said, Dom was pretty much over before it started and Padres couldn't get any offense going and Darvish looked once again awful. Yeah. Darvish's struggles on the roads have been quite problematic as of late. He's like the new Blake Snell. We've talked about that, but it's been the same exact thing. Decent at home, decent to above average at home, and then horrible on the road, and it was all encapsulated in the sounding. I mean, he allowed eight earned runs on only six hits. Like that, that right there is problematic. That just means he wasn't throwing strikes because he allowed more earned runs than he allowed hits. But when he was throwing those pitches over the plate, they're being crushed. So not good for him. He also only struck out three batters on 96 pitches. That is awful. So uh, right there, you can see why the Potters lost this game. Also, Denelson Lamette once again came out of the bullpen and he allowed another run. He just hasn't been good out of the bullpen. That's going to be problematic going forward because he hasn't been good out of the bullpen, but they also don't want to start him because they know that his elbow is on its last life. So uh, Denelson Lamette, his, uh, his status going forward for the rest of the year and for his future, I think is very up in the air because he very clearly needed Tommy John surgery about a year ago that chose not to give it to him because they know that the second Tommy John surgery is bad. Uh, and they've received very little from him this year. And at the same time, he could almost be done with his Tommy John uh, recovery process, but it chose not to do that, which I don't necessarily blame them for him, but it's not looking good as of right now. It could look better next year. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't work with Denelson, but it's not looking good. You Darvish, he's going to make another start on the road before he makes probably one final home start on the year. Got to try and find a way to make that last road start against St. Louis, anything, just anything, because this is the biggest series of the year coming against the Cardinals. Game number two, Potters lost this one, six to one. It's more of the same here, except this time it was only three hits instead of seven hits. So a little more discouraging of an offensive performance. And this time it was against a starter and Anthony DiScofani instead of a bullpen game like game one was. And the Potters didn't really strike out only 10 times. DiScofani only struck him out three times or only seven strikeouts for the Padres and Discofani only struck out three batters. So uh, the quality of contact was not good for the Padres in this game. Giants once again, got out to an early lead. And I was saying to my friends that I was watching the game with our Giants fans. I'm like, this game's over. Like it's over. The Padres can't score right now. Luckily they, uh, they changed that later on in the series, but it's just when your offense isn't going well, you can't get behind the two games that they didn't score first. They lost the two games where they score first. They won. Fairly simple, isn't it? In the third inning, the Padres got across a run and it was on a ground ball in the infield that uh, the second baseman just took forever to throw home. And then Posey actually had enough time to throw the ball back to first to get Trent Grisham out. So makes me think that Grisham, who's been struggling a ton lately, isn't necessarily healthy. He also hasn't shown, been showing as much speed on the outfield. So I think that could be a problem. Don't really have another option there because the other center fielder they could throw out there is Jake Marisnik and he has not been good at the plate, but speaking of Marisnik, he actually got an extra base hit in this game. That was his first extra base hit as a Padre on September 14th. The Padres acquired him on July 30th. So it took him a month and a half to get an extra base hit. So impact trade deadline acquisition there, Jake Marisnik. Uh, I say that with hundred percent sarcasm, but this game, it just didn't go very well for the Padres. Six one only got three hits. Those hits were one from Frazier, one from Profar. And then one from Riznik and the Giants, they only put up six runs. Three of them came in their last two innings, but that was all they needed. What were you guys th thoughts on this game? We'll start with Bobby. 
And for this game, I mean, the main issue, of course, was the lineup. Only three hits. Padres went three for 30 in this game. The main thing, oh, like you said, Dom, only striking out seven times. But the main thing in this game, top of the, our lineup, Grisham, Tatis, Hosmer, or Grisham, Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, Nola combined to go 0 for 20. And Hosmer had an awful game, 0 for 4, struck out three times. But when the top five in your lineup goes 0 for 20, or even excluding Nola, when the top four goes 0 for 16, it's, you're never going to win a game like that. And the Padres were just not able to get hit. I mean, Discofani did look really good in this game. Six and two-thirds, three hits. Like you said, only three strikeouts, one run, one walk. Padres were not looking good at the plate. Only drew one walk in the entire game. But just the offense was absolutely cold. Like you said, Marisnik got the pinch hit double off the bench. Starting lineup only had two hits in this game. And that was Frazier and Profar. But Pitching did not look good. Arietta, I don't even know what to expect from him. I'm not expecting him to, for him to give us good starts, but Arietta, just an innings eater for us, just spot starter. He went three and two thirds, five hits, three runs, two walks, and three strikeouts, allowing a home run. He's ERA on the season now to 7.05. Most of those, of course, not with the Padres, but Arietta did not look good. Lineup did not look good. Ross Detweiler did make his Padres debut. Somehow did not allow any runs uh, as he walked three guys and struck out two in an inning, but 28 pitches through, and he was able to get out of it without a run. But rest of the bullpen, I mean, allowed two runs. Pierce Johnson and Melanson both allowed one, or both allowed two, one and two, uh, respectively. But overall, the lineup was just awful in this game, and that's the main reason why we lost this game, along with Arietta's, uh, won't even want, don't even want to say subpar start, just not good start. Yeah, no, Bobby, I agree with, uh, with everything you said. I just wanted to... Uh point out, you know, at the beginning of the game, the, the Posey home run, I mean, that ball was inside by, I don't know, three or four, you know, inches. And, you know, he hit that out. And and once I saw that, you know, it, it was just kind of, I just thought, you know, it was just going to be more of the same. And uh, it turned out that it was more of the same. Um, and again, it's, it kind of just goes back to like hitting wise, our, our guys are looking up the scoreboard and, you know, you're already down runs. And towards the end of the game, when uh, Tyler Rogers was in, I thought a notable moment, and I know I sent this to Dom, was uh, Tatis's strikeout, especially the swinging strike three. Um, you know, at that point, it, it just, his body language on that and that swing, you could just tell at that point that he was dejected. You know, he had, it just looked like he had given up. And that was probably the lowest point, you know, for me uh, in the series. You know, luckily, obviously, we, we won the next two games. But I think that that swing sort of represented, you know, the Padres' struggles over the past, you know, obviously the, the past two weeks, but really the past few months. And um, that was kind of just something that stood out to me. I don't know if, Dom, you, you know, you, you, you noticed that, but. No, I did. And I don't know if something was said in the locker room after the game, because nothing's been said post-game or pre-game by the manager or any of the players, but something very clearly changed after this game because the Padres, they were shut out in the final game of the last series and then were held to just one run in each of the first two games of the series. So that's two runs in the last three games. And the game before, like two games before they were shut out by the Dodgers, they're also shut out in that game. So the offense has just been horrible in the Padres last five games leading up to that. They scored five runs or six runs. So it was just bad, bad hitting, 
And then all of a sudden it just turned around. So I don't know if someone said anything, because like you said, it was, it was a low point for the offense. It was pathetic and something changed. It was very vocal. Uh, and it was very public when after the Potters got no hit by Tyler Gilbert and Bobby and I were in attendance for that, that Eric Hosmer made a speech and I, I don't, Eric Hosmer, I mean, we've talked about it. He's not been good for the Padres. He's been not good for them this year, and he's been really bad during the last stretch of games. I don't know if someone else said anything or if he said something again, but whatever Eric Hosmer said, it didn't work after the Arizona game. So maybe someone else said something. They've always talked about how Manny's the leader, uh, how Eric Hosmer changed the clubhouse, but Manny's the leader. Maybe Manny said something. I don't really know, but something changed because then we go to game number three of this series and all of a sudden the Padres, they jump out to an early lead scoring two runs in the first inning, And you're like, all right, cool. Let's go. Adam Frazier, who was about to have his average dip under 300. He, he gets a knock and Frazier, he batted in a lot of weird lineup positions. This series, he batted third in the first game, batted fourth in the last game, but here batting out of the sixth spot after a Tommy fan walk with two outs, he ends up coming through in the clutch and he got a two RBI single. And then in the second inning, Manny Machado, it's a ground rule double and like quite literally a ground rule double because it got stuck under the fence. And I'm sitting there like, all right, Fernando's on first base. Maybe he scores. We will never know because the ball got stuck and he can only get two bases there. But it was one of the weirdest things that ever happened. But the ball did not lie because Eric Hosmer did not have a good series. But in a nice two-out RBI single here uh, to get the Potters up 5 nothing, And, you know, we just talked about it. The Potters fell behind the first two games and they lost. Jump out to a 5 nothing lead through two. All of a sudden, they win. Now, the Giants, they made a slow comeback, uh, scoring the next three runs. One in the second on a Longoria double, a Tyra Estrada home run, and then a Chris Bryant home run to make it 5-3. But then Jerickson Profar had one of the best at-bats of the season following a Ha-Sung Kim walk off the bench that was very impressive with a two run home run that that was all the Potters needed at that point to go up seven, three game ended up being nine to six after Buster Posey got like the ninth inning runoff. Mark Melanson might've been one of the cheapest runs I've ever seen. Cause Brandon belt, I uh, bunted against the shift. Uh, he got a defensive indifference to second base and then Posey got a single, which drove in the run, but it was a run against Mark Melanson who allowed an earned run in all three of his appearances against the giants. It's gone back to what we've said. Melanson really good against the bad teams and he's been above average against the good teams, the giants. They definitely took advantage of here of him here in this first series. Cade, what did you think of the Potters performance here in this much more impressive game? This is hopefully the game that, you know, turned the ties a little bit. I think that something that stood out to me the most was a uh, pro in the leadoff spot. Uh, you know, he started the game off with an at bat we hadn't seen in, in weeks to say the least. Um, and I think that he, you know, he himself really set the tone, uh, for the game and, you know, with all respect to, uh, Trent Grisham, he just hasn't been getting, getting it done, uh, in the leadoff spot. And I remember when the lineups came out, I was pretty shocked to see, uh, Tingler, you know, hit pro far leadoff, but it's looking like it's, it was a great decision. Um, and, you know, just. Again, Tatis had a great game. He hasn't been hitting as well as he, you know, we expect him to. Um, you know, Frazier had a big game. Um, and I think that, like I said, hopefully that was the game that, you know, propels the Padres into sort of, 
you know, um, uh, you know, some momentum. Yeah, I don't really know any other way to put it. Um, that game was just, it was so needed. It was so necessary. It was really a must-win game. And for this game, finally that, the Padres' bats did wake up. 16 hits in the game, 5 for 17th runners in scoring position. Padres only struck out five times in this game. And, Cade, what you said about Grisham in the leadoff spot, he's only hitting 238 this year. And he's, his offense has really dropped down at the plate this year. He's really been struggling. But Profar in the leadoff spot, I also thought it was interesting. Of course, did end up going two for six, two RBIs and two runs. He was really able to step up while in the leadoff spot. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Frazier with four hits apiece. Surprising that Tatis had zero RBIs in this game, still had four hits, but he was in the second, in the two hole in this game. But Frazier looked great. Nola, two for five. Manny, two for five. And Fam, 0 for three, two strikeouts, was still, was still able to draw two walks. So Padres' offense was firing, firing on all cylinders this game. And even the pitching, pitching wasn't even great. Musgrove, I mean, it's a quality start. Six innings, five hits, three runs. He allowed two home runs and three walks, and Padres were still able to win this game, which is great. But his ERA is now 2.99. Finally has a sub-three ERA again, but Stam did not look great. Allowed two home runs. Pagan walked two guys and in a 27-pitch in and was able to get out with no runs. And then Melanson allowed a run and two hits. But overall, the pit, no one in this game really pitched that great. Mosgrove was fine. Of course, that's a quality start. But the rest of the bullpen did not look that great. But So thankfully... Padres were able to drop nine runs on the Giants, but overall this game was just a great start and hopefully a start of a big winning streak or somewhat of a hot winning streak to get the Padres going, but Padres really needed this and they got hot when they needed to. And Craig Stamen's second home run, the one he allowed to Brandon Belt was another one of those was like the Buster Posey one in game two was inside and he just yanked it. And I can't tell you this for sure, but the right field foul pole in Oracle Park is very shallow compared to the rest of the major league ballparks. I promise you that ball hooks foul in the majority of major league ballparks, especially Petco Park. No clue how that ball stayed fair. And the fan even had to like reach over from like three seats over to catch it in front of the foul pole. So, I mean, they reviewed it. They said it was a home run and technically by rule, it's where the ball is when it crosses, not where, uh, not where the fielder is. So like if a fielder has a foot in foul territory and he picks the ball up, the ball's in fair territory. It's fair. So it was the right ruling, but it's just like, and you wonder if he doesn't reach out and catch that. And you wonder if this game's played at any other ballpark, whether or not it stays fair. But so the Potters were also playing at Oracle park in this game. So they could have hit a home run and this guy could have tried to catch it too. But yeah, I'm just sitting there laughing. Like that ball. So goes foul in any other stadium, but uh, it didn't. And it made the game close. Fortunately, the Potters scored again. And then Emilio Pagan, my gosh, he gave me a heart attack in this game. Uh, walked the first two batters of the inning, and then he only he threw 27 pitches. He got out of it, didn't allow a run, but he only threw 11 strikes. So uh, you got to thank the San Francisco Giants batters for uh, for taking some of the balls that he threw because, or for swinging at some of the balls he threw. Brandon Crawford swung on the second pitch after the two walks, and Crawford's been arguably their best player this year. And he definitely bailed out Emilio Pagan there. It was ugly outing. It's kind of frustrating that Pagan's the eighth inning guy right now, but the Padres bullpen has not been very consistent as of late. So I don't know who exactly else you turned to in the eighth inning there. That was Pomeranz at one point, but he's on the injured list now for the year because he has made a glass. So the Padres have got some bullpen issues to figure out. And Pagan, 
he's uh he's got to figure it out because he's uh he's not looked good as of late after looking like he was immortal against the Dodgers in that first series back uh, a couple weeks ago. Game number four here, Potters once again got out to an early lead. They were leading four nothing at one point. Trent Grisham got a sack fly in his first at bat. He had a sack fly in his last at bat. That's why I'm not too concerned. And I think he's just dealing with something. He's putting together okay at bats, and we know that Trent Grisham he's a very disciplined hitter. So. He's going to figure it out at some point, but two sack flies of the series when he's not playing well, I think you can take that as a Potters fan. He also got a hit in this game. So uh, that was good to see from Trent Grisham. Cause like Cade mentioned, not playing well as fully. I think he only has four hits in the last 22 games, which is really bad. Uh, Fernando Tatis hit his 39th home run of the season. It was a line drive right down the left field line, 371 feet it was crushed 111 miles an hour. And then in the fifth inning, Tommy Pham got a two-out RBI double. It was awesome. Got the Padres a 4 nothing lead, and that was huge because if he doesn't get that double, who knows, the momentum might totally swing in favor of the Giants. Uh, Austin Adams came in after Nabil Krizmat threw four scoreless innings on the bullpen. Uh, can't emphasize how much Nabil Krizmat has meant to this Padres team, this Padres bullpen that has been so taxed. He's got a 2.76 ERA on the year. I think that might be... The Padres' second-best bullpen ERA, only behind Mark Melanson. So, Nabil Krizmat's been really good. Then Austin Adams, who has not been good as of late, is also a guy the Padres would like to use in high-leverage situations, but right now, he just can't. He's been bad. He allowed a run, couldn't get out of the inning. Then Daniel Hudson allowed another run in the seventh inning. He ended up recording four outs, so you, you got to give credit to him. He pitched in multiple innings, so allowing the run in the second one, you're like, okay, it's not ideal, but whatever. But after the Giants scored in the seventh, the Potters responded in the eighth with three more runs. So that was awesome to see from them. The Giants did try to make a little bit of a comeback, scoring one in the eighth and the ninth, but those insurance runs in the eighth paid off. Bobby, what did you make of this fourth and final game against the Giants in the series? And for this game, the main thing to look at was, of course, Nabil Krizmat going for it, shut out innings after Pierce Johnson threw a scoreless first. But Giants scoring one run in each of the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning got a little scary, but... Giants had 12 hits and we were still able to, to beat them. They only went one fray with runners in scoring position. So Hodges pitching was able to get out of tough situations, but Hodges offense was on fire against it. 14 hits, seven runs. Of course, the three and the eighth were huge to kind of blow the game more open, but Brazier had another great game, three for five with two runs. Nola went three for three with one run. Tatis had two hits. And of course that home run, an absolute frozen rope to left. That was beautiful, but kind of a, not great bull. I mean, I, of course it was a bullpen game, but not great bullpen appearances by the f- last few guys who pitched Adams, Hudson Hill and Melanson Pagan did strike out the one guy that he faced on seven pitches, but pitching was not great. Say only did a lot four runs, but I'm sorry. I should say late in pitching was not great. Pierce Johnson, and Chris Matt looked phenomenal. And I just want to give another shout out to Chris Matt, who has been, as Dom said, awesome for the Padres this year. He's been a great guy to go two to two, three, four innings, whenever the Padres need one uh, after starting might, might get hit harder in a bullpen there or something like that. But he's been looking great and he did it in this in game four of the series, but offense looks great to tease through two walks. Offense looks great to tease through two walks. Padres did strike out eight times, but 14 hits will always override that, but great second win in a row for the Padres. And they really needed to win these last two to get some kind of streak going. Yeah. You know, I think this was a, uh... Just a classic example, again, of 
just a uh, good offense being kind of contagious. And I think that uh, that's something we've been lacking all year. It seems kind of just like when one guy gets hot, you know, one guy doesn't get hot and it kind of just seems like, you know, or, or I'm hoping that the, the whole lineup is starting to hit again. Uh, you know, Frazier again with a big game, he seems to be coming around a little bit. Um, you know, some of the stuff that we saw him do in Pittsburgh, he's now doing with us kind of just getting these sloppy hits, you know, he's striking out less, putting together better plate appearances. Um, and yeah, you know, going back to Krismat, uh, you know, none of us would have said at the beginning of the year that he would have been like such a key cog in the bullpen or just even for the team, you know, it's, it's a fair question to ask where this team would be without him. Uh, and, you know, he has a, I think Dom, you said two point something ERA, but he's had a, like only one or two blow up start sort of, or blow up appearances that have elevated his ERA. And he's been even better than that. Um, excluding those, you know, two, you know, kind of blow up outings. Um, and another thing is just kind of going back to charisma. It's kind of just like, you know, it's fair. It's another fair question to ask. Uh, where the team would be if we had started Chrisma instead of Weathers for you know all those games, um, and that's just kind of a an interesting you know question to ask. Uh, but yeah, other than that, just another great win. Uh, you know, another finally another good offensive performance from the boys, and yeah, just hoping we can capitalize on you know the momentum and you know the 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 hot bats going into St. Louis. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised that we haven't seen Ryan Weathers in a little bit. Obviously, he's not been good in the second half of the season. No one's going to say that, but this bullpen needs innings. And you've seen multiple non-save situations in the ninth inning where Mark Melanson's come in. He pitched in three straight games now after he pitched in the ninth inning here and allowed another run. Where's, where's Ryan Weathers? You can throw him in there for the ninth inning. And you know what? If he only gets one out in his first three batters and there's two runners on, you know, Mark Melanson warming up lately and you can bring him in. You, you want to see Ryan Weathers get some reps because at the end of the day, he's still probably a vital part of this Potter's future going forward. And the Potter's bullpen just needs some rest. Some of the key guys like Pagan Hill. I know I just told you that Pagan wasn't doing well, but he's a key guy of this bullpen. No one's going to tell you otherwise. Uh, Adams now, even Chris, Matt, those guys have been used a lot lately and Ryan Weathers hasn't he ain't pitched in any four of these games. Did also lament only pitch in game one. These guys are the guys that you want to see in the bullpen games. Cause they can go multiple innings. And if they do really well in the first inning, you could throw them out there for another one. And even if not, you're just putting a fresh arm out there. So I don't know why Ryan Weathers didn't pitch in this game, especially considering that after Nabil Krismat came out, the Padres held big leads for the entire rest of the game. So I, I think that was a missed opportunity to save some of the key guys that have pitched a lot in inning. And I was shocked that Emilio Pagan pitched in this game. I mean, he only came in to face one batter because Tim Hill couldn't get out of the inning, but Pagan after throwing 27 pitches the night before it comes in in a big spot, he got out of it, which credit to him, but uh, I would like to have not seen Pagan in this game. And even in a big spot, his ERA is now up to 4.12 I remember for the longest time, it was always in the low threes, but it's now off the four, which just shows you how much of a struggle it's been for Nabil Christmas. All right, let's take a look around baseball and just around the wildcard standings after the series was completed. The Padres, they did split a four-gamer with the Giants. So like we said, going into that, 
in the way the offense was playing. I think that's best case scenario, honestly, for the Padres. They're still only half a game behind the Cardinals. They entered the series in front of them, but that's fine, considering the fact that the Padres were playing the team with the best record in baseball. You can manage that, and especially considering the fact that the Padres for the Cardinals this week. The Reds are a half a game behind the Padres, and the Phillies are two games behind the Padres, two and a half back of the Cardinals. So that's the way things stand. All those teams have won their most previous game. The Potters, of course, have won their last two. The Reds, they lost on Wednesday on a walk-off fielder's choice, basically. Uh, and then the Phillies have won their last two uh, after they came back to beat the Cubs when the Cubs were just killing them. They're up 8-2. to two. The Phillies won 17-8. to eight. So that is not what you would have liked to seen if you were a Padres fan. They're closing the gap on both the wild card and the division. So uh, it's not just the Cardinals. It's not just the Reds. The Phillies are also in play here if you're the San Diego Padres. But the Padres, they control their own destiny still because they play the Cardinals three more times. So if you can jump in front of the Cardinals, uh, I think that's huge. And also another key thing to worry about is a game 163 tiebreaker. The Padres are currently hold it over the Reds because they beat them six out of seven times. They don't hold it over the Phillies. And they have yet to complete the season series against the Cardinals, but the Padres swept the Cardinals in a three-game series back in May. So the Padres have the advantage. They have to win one game this series. We want them to win more, obviously, and you ideally want them to win the series. But if the Padres get swept, it's not just a sweep from the team that you're chasing. It's also now you split the season series. I don't know how that works if the teams were to tie, but if the Padres just win one game in this upcoming series against the Cardinals, they would win the season series, which means that if there was to be a game 163 in case of a tie with the Cardinals, it would be at Petco Park. And we've all seen the Potters are a much better team at home. They swept the Cardinals at home, even back when it was limited capacity. It's a different Cardinals team now, but we, we've seen the way that the Potters play in front of Petco and Petco deserves a home playoff game. It's technically not one, but uh, I, it's definitely better than nothing. So you have to not get swept in the series. Like, I'd say it's the most important series of the year to not get swept because of what is also on the line in terms of tiebreakers here. Uh, just a little nugget there. Uh, upcoming three-game series, Padres have it lined up with Vince Velasquez, expected to make his Padres debut after pitching with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, just shows you how desperate the Padres are for some innings. After Blake Snell exited his last start against the Dodgers with an adductor strain, he is on the injured list. Vince Velasquez will be on the Padres Major League roster. Game number two, it's going to be Darvish on the road, which is not ideal, but don't really have a choice. And then the final game is Jake Arrieta, which is also not ideal. Um, I, uh, the way the Potters line up their rotation for the series and what could be the most important series of the season, I, I think it sucks, but they don't have a choice. What, what are your guys' thoughts on that? We'll start with Cade. Uh, yeah, you know, I tend to agree with you on uh... – it's kind of unfortunate the way the uh, starters have lined up. Um, you know, just looking at uh, tomorrow's game Friday, uh, obviously it's Velasquez making his debut. And I think, you know, what we just have to hope for out of him is just keeping us in the game um, with our, you know, with how we've been hitting. Hopefully we can kind of out hit um, the poor pitching, you know, if that were to happen. Um but we're going to be facing uh, Mikolas, who has only pitched in six games this season so far. Um, I know that he was hurt er earlier in the year, but, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe we can get a, an early lead off him. 
uh, the past two games, we've obviously taken early leads and those are, those have both been W's. Um, and, you know, going back to Darvish, the next game, uh, the, the underlying metrics on Darvish say that he's been a little unlucky, um, but what's really been, you know, failing him has been his command. And I think that, you know, obviously we know how hard he works and like, we know how, you know, he, how important, you know, it is to him to pitch well for us. And I'm sure that, you know, Darvish has looked over, you know, all of his mistakes and he knows the importance of, of this series. You know, it's not an understatement to say that this is the most important series of the season. And, you know, in all honesty, I'm looking forward to a, to a really good Darvish start. I think he's going to come out and pitch you know pitch as well as he can um and yeah you know other than that i just hope that we can ride the momentum that we've had the past two games against the giants you know into this series and and take moving for a sweep obviously but two out of three would be really nice and yeah you know other than that just hope you know grisham back on track um you know i'd like to see uh the lineups um you know, not include Eric Hosmer. Um, I think that if Jake can come back, I think that he has to be there instead of Hosmer. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Hopefully we can keep Profar at the leadoff spot as the table setter. We do not have the most favorable pitching matchups this series. And Dom, you said we just need to win one. I know that the game 163 could be important, but right now if the Padres don't win the series, it's going to be disappointing. Obviously this is our chance to pass the Cardinals. And if we win two out of three, we will do so. Uh, but the pitching matchups are not the most favorable for the Padres. Velasquez hasn't pitched uh, since July 30th, since the Padres just got him. Uh, but his last three of his last four starts, he's allowed five, six, and eight runs in all less than three innings. This is all back in July where he had five starts with a 12.3, 12 12.23 ERA. So like you said, this is really just a guy just to pick up innings while Snell is hurt. But it's going to be a tough one with him on the mound. Hopefully he can give us at least somehow a quality start. Darvish, he's gotten – his last start was really rough against the Giants, and two of his last three have been pretty bad. But he's he's had three starts this month, allowed eight runs, one run, and five runs. But Darvish on the road is always really tough. But Arietta starting the last game. He's allowed three runs in each of his last two starts, but one of them going five innings, the other going three and two-thirds. But – Darvish on the road, plus Velasquez and Arietta are a few guys who I would not like to have it on the mound. Obviously, that's how it's going to have to be with us pitching Musgrove and Snell being hurt in this past series. But it's going to be a tough one for the Padres. Pitcher, pitchers this series is just once you see who's on the mound. But hopefully they can give us some good quality innings and even go five, six innings each game if possible. And the pitchers for the San Diego Padres, the starting guys that have pitched against the Cardinals, actually have very good track records. Hugh Darvish and Jake Arrieta have both spent time in the NL Central, which is, of course, the division the Cardinals play in. For Hugh Darvish, it's been more recent. Against the Cardinals, he's done a good job. 37 total innings, a 3.13 ERA with 49 strikeouts. So he misses their bats. And it's a very similar team lineup-wise to what the Cardinals of the last couple of years have been. J.K. Arrieta obviously was super dominant for the Cubs prior to this year. Uh, he's been really good against the Cardinals in 100 innings, 108 innings to be exact, 2.5 ERA and 113 strikeouts. So 
he's been really good against the Cardinals. And then Vince Velasquez this year against the Cardinals uh, in both the times the Phillies faced them, he pitched against the Cardinals and he totaled six and two thirds innings and just three earned runs. So that's a quality start across two outings. One of them was a bullpen outing and one of them was a start. So if Vince Velasquez can continue that success, he was much better against the Cardinals than he was just in total for the rest of his start. So look for that from the Padres starting pitchers. And then the starters that the Cardinals are throwing, like Cade mentioned, Miles Michaelis, he's going to be starting game number one. And he's had a rough go of it. Obviously injuries like Cade mentioned, uh, only 26 innings, 5.47 ERA for him. Just hasn't been as good as the Cardinals were hoping for. Uh, the re- rotation has disappointed a ton. Adam Wainwright, he's probably been the race of the year, uh, which is shocking. The Padres killed him back at Petco. Uh, and that was back when he was at a good start or bad start. It's mostly been good starts for him so far in the year. 190 innings, only 167 strikeouts, so he doesn't miss a ton of bats, but a 2.88 ERA and a 3.51 FIP. So uh, he's not like getting super lucky. In terms of fielding, he is getting more lucky than he is unlucky. Uh, so hopefully the Potters can take advantage of that. He's not going to miss the Potters' barrels. And the Potters make a ton of contact anyways as it is. So that shouldn't be a problem there. And then the final starter for the Cardinals is J.A. Happ. They acquired at the trade deadline, and he's been solid for them. Uh, 39 innings, a 4 ERA with a 5 FIP and a 1.235 whip. So he's going he's gonna to allow base runners. It's whether or not the Potters can take advantage of them. And if they play like how they did the last two games against the Giants, I think the bats are going to show up in this series. So that's all I've got for the Cardinals. Bobby, do you have anything else? Oh, yeah. I mean, mostly just on the main pitches, of course. Michaelis, he's allowed four, four and runs in each of his last three starts. So he's been looking solid or somewhat. But Adam Wainwright, he has not pitched less than six innings since July 6th. He's been pitching deep in the games, a lot of eight, seven, nine inning starts. 2.88 ERA on the year. Like you said, he's their ace right now. But so that's going to be tough, tough with him on the mound out there. But Jay Happ, he has a 6.00 ERA on the year. He just, he's coming off a five and a third shutout start against the Reds, but he's been really struggling. He just got hit hard against the Reds about two weeks ago. One inning, eight hits and seven runs um, on the 1st of September against the Reds. So he really got hit hard that game, but only a really tough guy. Podgers are going against this series will be Adam Wainwright, who has been pitching lights out this year. Kid, you got anything else you want on the um, on the Cardinals? Um, you know, not too much. Just kind of going back to Velasquez. Um, or just, I mean, the Cardinals in general, they're they're a little bit, you know, right-handed heavy. And we obviously have three right-handed starters. Uh, that might give us a little bit, bit of an advantage. Um, you know, and and you know, I was looking at Velasquez's statistics he he actually does well against right-handed uh hitters but he's you know historically poor on the road um so just hoping he can keep us in the game you know hoping Arietta can keep us in the game and you know if that doesn't happen just we just need the offense to pick it up you know it's looked good as of late as we've said and honestly i'm just i think the team is fired up i think we're motivated you know we're back in the groove i think there were a lot more like smiles we looked a little bit more loose and, you know, I think, I really do think that, that we're going to have a good series. 
I do too. I'm way more optimistic than I was 48 hours ago on Tuesday. We're recording this Thursday night. So uh, feeling a lot better about the Padres. Yeah, their lineup, very right-handed heavy. Uh, Nolan Arnato gets to kill the Padres for hopefully one more final time this year, unless there's a game 163. Uh, I mean, Arnato just kills the Padres. He's had a solid year, 32 home runs, 99 RBI so far. He's outside of Coors. He's just a good player. Um, nothing that much outside of that. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt having another really solid year. Uh, Potters fans obviously know how good he is after a rough first year in St. Louis. He's had a really good 2020 and 2021. He's just one of the best players in baseball. In my opinion, uh, a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves their outfield. It's very solid. Actually. I don't think a lot of people realize how good their outfield is. Tyler O'Neill has a ton of power. And uh, he's finally starting to walk, which is something he wasn't doing. Uh, he's hitting 280 with a 350 OBP. He's got 26 home runs. It's a 141 OPS plus for him. Harrison Bader is probably the best defensive center fielder in baseball, with all due respect to Cody Bellinger, Trent Grisham, Byron Buxton, Kevin Kiermeyer, a bunch of other guys. Harrison Bader is a stud out there. He's also an average hitter, uh, 103 OPS plus. So uh, fly ball to center field, probably not going to. Drop. Bader's going to get there. Then Dylan Carlson, young switch hitting, uh, highly touted prospect. He's having a solid year, 108 OPS plus, uh, 337 OBP. And then another one of their outfielders is Lars Newtbar. Uh, he's uh, he's had an up and down year, but uh, he's had some couple cool moments. Uh, Edmundo Sosa has taken over at shortstop for them, and he is a 113 OPS plus. And according to baseball reference, he's sixth on the Cardinals in war. And then Tommy Edmond, La Jolla Country Day alum. Uh, he's having another good year for them at second base. Switch hitter. He just does everything. Uh, they're a good team. Padres are going to have their work cut out for them. And I think that they're playing the best baseball they have been playing in quite some time. So uh, I'd like to see the Padres continue that. Uh, you guys got any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, just on the lineup, of course, there's – very balanced lineup in there as well with the, a lot of the other teams, Dodgers, Giants, it's all the top panel teams pretty much, of course. But Edmund has had, has been having a solid season. Of course, there's Goldschmidt, 26 home runs with a 852 OPS. Arenado, 32 home runs, 99 RBIs. He's about to reach the century mark. Hopefully not this series. Bader, like you said, has a phenomenal defense. Yadier Molina behind the plate, of course, always going to put up phenomenal defense. Uh, just one guy I saw out there. Never heard of him, but Lars Nufar, that's a... That's a name right there. Matt Carpenter, he's really been struggling this year. 168 average. Uh, Paul DeJong's hitting 198 on the year. So those are two guys right there who aren't hitting as well as they usually do. Uh, but Padres should take that to their advantage. And some solid lineup here overall, but Padres pitchers, hopefully this year will be able to get to them. Yeah, uh, just going off of that, um, going off what you said, Dom, especially uh, – with Bader in center, I think that he's the best defensive outfielder in the league. And so, you know, hopefully we, you know, we keep it out of his range. <laughs> um, and then just going back to, you know, sort of the Padres lineup, you know, my, you know, I hope that, I hope that uh, Tingler, you know, if Jake is ready, I, I really do hope that he plays a Cronenworth at first base uh, this series. It's, it's become, you know, really obvious that the, the best lineup we can put out is with Cronenworth the first base at this point. And, you know, we need our best lineups against like in this series and at this point in the season. 
And so that's, that's sort of, you know, the, the last thing I have to say, you know, just thanks for having me on and yeah, just hopefully we can uh, have a good series against the cards. Yeah, just hopefully got to win two out of three here. Let's take that wild card spot from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and win the series. Of course, cannot get swept here, but win two and Padres will have momentum going into their next series. Yeah, and I echo Kate's thoughts about playing Cronenworth at first base. That's obviously if he returns because Chase Tingler said that they're hoping to have him return at some point this weekend, whether that's Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Tatis has been very clear. He's much happier playing shortstop and the offense since he's moved back to shortstop has scored four and then a zero and then two ones, but then has also put up a nine and then a seven. So it's been better than what it was when he was out in the outfield. I think that's in part because he's happier at shortstop. You can get other guys like Tommy Pham and Will Myers who are, you know, they're not playing great, but uh, they need to get their consistent playing time in the outfield Eric Cosmer isn't cutting it. Adam Frazier has been playing a lot better when he's been getting that consistent playing time ever since Jake Cronenworth went down. So I think it would be extremely uh, counterproductive to put Jake Cronenworth back at second base, move Frazier to a corner outfield or put Cronenworth at shortstop and move Tatis to a corner outfield. Take out the weakest link on the team right now. That's Eric Cosmer in an offense Two of the last offensive days. Eric Cosmer was the worst batter in the lineup now, he did get that two RBI single, like we talked about. It was a very clutch hit. The Padres needed, but outside of that, he didn't get another hit in the other two really good games. So um, I, I think that it's a fairly obvious decision, but we've seen lineup management has been very inconsistent uh, so far this year. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Devil's Talking Padres. Once again, Cade, thank you for coming on to our podcast. Uh, you can find Cade on Twitter at KadeK11, tweets about the Padres, uh, often replies to the Padres on Twitter. Uh, and uh, he just he loves the Padres. Him and I, we talk basically every day about the Padres. So I uh, enjoy having a conversation with you. And as always, follow Bobby and I on Twitter. You can find me at DMSTern19. You can find Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000 Let's hope the Padres continue the momentum going into St. Louis and wrap up this road trip. I mean, they could finish the road trip 500 if they sweep the Cardinals. And that would one be good, you know, for morale to go 500 on this really tough road trip. You'd also now be two and a half games in front of the Cardinals, wherever they are in front of the, uh, the reds and the Phillies, they can't control that. All they can control is winning. This is their last chance to face a team in the wild card race. So they got to take advantage of it. Uh, they played well against the reds when they knew they're part of their competition, when they're facing the Phillies, it felt like the Padres were well out in front of them. So maybe they didn't play well against them because of that, but they got an opportunity to play an opponent at their level. And we've seen the Padres do very well in those series because the last times they faced the Dodgers and the giants and the teams in front of them, they were ahead of them and they didn't play well. So go Padres this weekend. Hopefully they take at least two out of three. They have to win one to win that season series against the Cardinals for that tiebreaker. Go Padres.